Praise the Lord. Good worship again. Praise the Lord. You all know this really is our Father's world, right? I know sometimes we think that somehow he is powerless to have his way in this world, but it's not that. It's just that people don't follow him. That's really what it is. And sometimes we choose to follow the other side of the equation, if you will. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm going to go ahead and just warn you that uh, this is not a political message. And of course, you're probably thinking, well, apparently it is or you wouldn't have said it. Um, no, that's, I'm being very serious, but we're going to upfit some of this to somehow get to the moment that you and I, that we're all living in together. And so it could be a bit controversial and you may have some questions, but I think the key is just listen to the text, let Jesus teach you. He is the teacher, amen? <laughs> okay, it was a little weak, I mean, I don't know. but um, So he is the teacher and everybody has been given the gift of being able to reason. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about how love builds others up this morning. And so we've been going through 1 Corinthians for a little while. And in fact, I think uh, Timothy's going to have to jump in or we're not going to get through this um, here before Advent season starts. But we've been going through 1 Corinthians for a little bit. And Paul has been speaking to this troubled church, hasn't he? He's been trying to get the church at Corinth to get Everything straight. Remember, there was so much division. Uh, there's been a lot of di uh, division in a way that everybody's splitting up. People are looking down on each other. In fact, some people think that they're just more spiritual than others. And it's just the normal stuff that most Christians, we tend to struggle with, really. I mean, we're human beings, and we're just not always going to do everything right. But it's great that we're being reminded that we're not the only ones Paul was addressing this years and years ago, and so we're still fighting through it today. And so this is a very relevant piece of Scripture that we're dealing with, and you and I have been going through this for some time, and, and we've been learning, I hope, that it matters that the church is unified. It matters that we love each other. It matters to Jesus Christ that we are acting like his children when we're around each other. And so... I was thinking about this as I was getting ready to write some of this message, and I was thinking of the topic that's coming up here in chapter 8, and this is one of those pivotal topics that we, send, we sometimes look back at and we say, well, this is why we do this, or this is why we should do this, but I was thinking about when I took my car to a local mechanic, and um, in fact, I think it was actually a truck. I've been telling this story, who knows, it, let's just say... Um, just go with the point of the story. Don't worry about the details. How about that? Um, but I remember taking my car to the mechanic, and I think my fuel pump was out. And so we got it there, and he told me what it was. And I said, boy, I'm lucky that that didn't go out, you know, when I was way out of town. And, well, the man's a great, he's a Christian man, okay? And so when he heard me say that, he knew that I am a pastor. And first thing he said to me was, uh, you don't believe in luck, do you? <laughs> I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was, I was a little bit mad when he said it. But I thought, touche, touche, you got me, brother. Um, and the reason 
that I thought that, and the reason that he said that is because we Christians, we don't believe in superstition, right? We believe in Jesus. And so he holds the world in his hands. Um, This is a great thought, and it's a great truth that when God steps in with the Israelites into this world and he's, he's teaching them that there's no other gods beside him, he's actually freeing the world from the bondage of other false gods, right? So we are free of that stuff. And so the point that I was making, though, was that I'm just saying, boy, I'm glad that my truck didn't break down. Well, I was in the gym. That's what made me remember this. I was in the gym this week trying to rehab my shoulder as best I can. And um, I was wanting to get onto a machine. And they were all taken. All of the machines that I wanted to be on, they were all taken. And there was a young man I've known for quite a while. I know he's a Christian as well. And I don't know why, but for some reason, and I was just in a moment of frustration. And it's so, I don't know about you all, but it's easier for me to be a Christian early in the morning than at the end of the day. Because then I start losing that, you know, that, that mask starts coming down. I start losing that filter and I start revealing who I really am. And so I, for some reason I said, I just went, oh my gosh, all the machines I want are taken. And so he said, well, I don't think it's Jesus' fault. Touche. Now, I thought that I was wise enough not to take the Lord's name in vain, right? And, but the idea is that I think he understood that I was really doing somewhat the same thing, but substituting it. I could have said, oh my goodness, or anything else. Or I could have just said, gee, the machines are all taken. So the point that I'm making to you is that instead of me going and trying to defend myself by saying, I have the right to do this because I did not actually say God, I said, gosh. Instead of me doing that, my course of action was to decide that I was going to, because I love him, I'm just going to let it go and I'm just going to learn that the next time that I'm around him, I'm not going to say anything that could be taken wrong. This is an interesting concept because remember, love builds others up. Now, I'm just going to upfit something with you this morning. Uh, This week, we normally, um, we have all these discussions and especially in the Christian world, everybody is so super intelligent these days. I mean, everybody, I'm telling you, I haven't met a wiser Christian than everybody else other than me, it seems like. Um, But this is where we're at in our society. We live in the world of internet. Research is done so fast. It's not like in the old days when you did research, you had to go to a library and check out the reference books that weren't allowed to leave the library and you had to do all your work right there and you had to work hard to get the research done that you wanted. But we have information at the tip of our fingertips. And so what we find is Christians today are very argumentative towards each other, almost to the point where they are actually splitting from each other. We're divided within the American church for sure and sometimes we're divided in the local church as well. So for instance, um, maybe if you don't mind, I'm just going to say something that's current. So you hear this issue about vaccines, whether or not to get them, 
you also hear the issue of whether or not to wear a mask or to wear a mask, right? And so, boy, I've, I, I went through my Facebook, in fact, last night. And what I was looking for is I thought, boy, I haven't, you know, there's several people I went to school with at SWU, and I haven't heard from them in a while on Facebook. Wonder if they're still my friend. They were not. I don't know. Um, it's an interesting thing um, because I'm not really saying one way or the other. Really, when I've posted about it, what I've said was the idea that we're going to lose our jobs is something we should be worried about. So the reason I'm telling you this is because this is creating some massive division among Christians. Should I be vaccinated or shouldn't I? I'm going to tell you this morning, you have to do what you need to do. Um, you, if you feel like it's morally right, you should do it. If you feel like it's morally wrong, you should not do it. But I'll say this, as far as masks, now we go back to what I said in the gym, right? If a mask is something that makes somebody feel comfortable, maybe I should wear it. I told you all, now we're all we've been friends for a long time. Don't you all get mad at me, right? Don't you all get mad at me. I'm just simply saying, if we're going to look at Scripture, we have to apply it into the situation that we find ourselves in. Otherwise, we can't get direction from God. And so I noticed that some of my friends have no longer friend, are friends with me. That's not the goal, is it? Because I like to post Scripture on my Facebook. Because the purpose of posting Scripture is for me, if, it's to be able to share the Word of God. I want to have the right to share the Word of God. In fact, the pastor before me, Pastor Key, is, his wife's here today, and his family. But I, and I'm, Maybe I'm saying it because they triggered me. But one of the things I learned from him is you don't ever want to lose the right to minister to someone. And that's the truth. So when we look at our passage today, there is a principle that is in here that Paul's introducing us to. And it's interesting because within this principle, it's, it's demanding that we are focused upon the love that we have for God and for our neighbors, especially those we go to church with. It's demanding it. And so you remember, Paul's being attacked. He's being attacked. He's like, well, you're not a full apostle. You're not like Peter who was actually with the Lord. You just saw him on Damascus Road. I'm just speculating, so that's not in Scripture exactly, but the idea seems to be there. Or you're not like John or somebody else um, who was actually with him to set these doctrines, or it might be along the lines of, well, you're definitely not like Apollos because Apollos is somebody who is able to preach a whole lot better than you, Paul. But this is what Paul's doing is he's dealing with this, and um, he's been dealing with the issue of, remember the principle that we found in Scripture? Why not rather just be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ? So Paul now is actually building off this, and he's upfitting it a little bit. And, and, and I, I would say it might be morphing into, instead of just feeling wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ, 
why not rather love for the sake of Jesus Christ? So this is the idea. So I want to read to you chapter 8. It's a short chapter. It's an introductory chapter because there's a large section that's in here that we're going to go through all the way to the end of chapter 10, and it's an important section. And right here seems to be where the heart of the matter is for the problems that's going on in the church at Corinth. So I'm going to read the whole chapter. Just follow with me. It says this. Now about food sacrifice to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, There is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Quite a statement, right? If you have the black highlighter, we should all start working together, get the parts out we don't like, right? Let's look at the first thing that we see this morning. Love builds others up when we realize knowledge isn't the goal. This is so trivial to even say it this way, but this is really something that I think the American church in particular, we struggle with this. In fact, what I see when I see people arguing over some of these issues What I see is people who seem to be impressed with the knowledge that they possess. I don't know if that makes any sense, but remember what Paul said? He said, look, love builds up, but knowledge puffs up. So in in the NIV, you saw some of the quotes that were around some of the, the words, some of the phrases that were being mentioned by Paul. We are taking this, the NIV editors are also taking it this way, as these are some of the things that they were writing to Paul about. So he's actually addressing them. And so one of the things that we understand is that they actually think that they are as smart as Paul. In fact, they are putting themselves 
on the same level as the Apostle Paul. They think because there is no other God, because they possess the knowledge that there is no other God, they can do whatever they want. Remember, they've had a problem with this in the past because they think that as long as they love the Lord, they can do whatever they want in their bodies. Remember this? And, and, they, and they won't get in trouble for it because it's all gonna pass away. But because they're putting themselves on the same level as Paul, they are saying that they can eat meat sacrificed to idols. And it has no bearing on their relationship with the Lord. Now, I'm gonna pause right there and I'm gonna say, Paul is intentionally not addressing that in Acts chapter 15, that the council at Jerusalem forbade Christians eating meat sacrificed to idols because he's going along with them. He wants to show them something. Your knowledge, he's saying, about your spiritual um, understanding, your knowingness that you think that you have that nobody else has is only puffing you up. And the reason it's puffing you up is because you're impressed with yourself that you have found a loophole to be able to do exactly what you want. And while you do exactly what you want to do, you are impressing others and taking glory for it because you look smart. That's in a nutshell. Isn't this what we find Christians doing today. Because if I'm only arguing from the perspective that I have this special knowledge that somebody else doesn't, I am only portraying myself in a great light. I'm only building myself up. And so when we Christians come together, sometimes we think that as long as we're hearing the word of God, we're just here to learn more knowledge. When in fact, the goal of us being here isn't to learn more knowledge, it's so that we can learn to love our God and love our neighbors so that we can build up our, our neighbors and the kingdom of God. You see, this is where the problem is. Paul's saying you are missing right here at this moment because this is a heart issue. And in your heart, you're only concerned that you're actually winning an argument so you can do what you want to do anyway while you're appearing to be super spiritual. You know, I suspect this is why James would say, look, don't just be mere hearers of the word be doers of the word. Because what, what's happening, and it's been happening, is that people think that as long as I'm hearing the word and gaining more knowledge, this is what's setting me right with Jesus Christ. I suspect this is where legalism comes in sometimes. Because what is legalism? It's about looking better than someone else at the heart of it, isn't it? Knowledge only puffs you up, but a changed heart that loves builds up. In fact, it will unite a church. It's quite a concept. 
I'm going to move on. But I can tell you, I believe many churches have been built from a shock pastor who was telling people how to do exactly what they wanted to do anyway. He just happened to sound very intelligent. And Lord, may I never be that person. But I'm telling you, we Christians have a real issue sometimes of making sure that we're not appearing to be super spiritual or super smart because we fall in love with that instead of our God and our neighbor. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Love builds others up when we don't allow ourselves to be a stumbling block to others, to be stumbling blocks. Now, it's interesting because, and this really connects with us American Christians, because we have rights, don't we? We have rights. And, and I'll tell you something. Uh, there's, there's sometimes at, in school, kids will ask me stuff, and they'll tell me that they have rights, and especially if um, they ask me something about the Lord, and I'll be like, you know, and look, I'm just going to be honest with you all. I want to tell you about the Lord all the time. But we're not going to use the Lord to be an excuse so that you don't have to do your work to sidetrack me, right? Y'all get that. Sometimes the motive is there that they're just trying to, you know, oh, well, we know he's a preacher. Let's get him to go preaching. No, no, no. You're still going to do your work. But I'll tell you what's funny is they say, oh, you can, you can answer the question. You have the right to answer because I asked you, Right? So we understand the concept of our rights, don't we? And so what they were saying to Paul in that letter was, you know, Paul, listen, because we know that God is the only God, there is no other God, because we know this, we have the right to continue to take part in the pattern of life that we were doing before Jesus came into our lives. We have the right to continue to buy that meat that's been sacrificed to idols. We have that right, Paul, so that we can go into the uh, temples of the idols because it doesn't matter. We have a right to do what we want to do. We know who Jesus is. But Paul says, look, it's a stumbling block to others. Because when I was a youth pastor, in Indiana in particular, the kids would say, well, I don't understand. I would tell them, drinking is wrong. I, I didn't even know why it was wrong. I was so young in the Lord myself. I just knew that it, it just seemed like it was wrong. I said, drinking is wrong. Don't you be drinking. And then I would fall back and I'd say, besides, you're underage. <laughs> right? And so they would say, well, I just don't know what the big deal is. And finally one day I said, well, I think it's going to be that we don't want to be a stumbling block to others. Well, what do you mean? I said, what if you saw me coming out of the liquor store and I had a brown paper bag? Maybe I've got a, a, a six-pack of Coca-Cola in it. But what would you assume? Well, I'm going to assume it's a six-pack of beer, Pastor. And I said, well, what if I came out with that? What would you say? And, of course, you know you're going to have the kids. They're going to say, well, I would think I was glad you're my pastor, right? You'd be the coolest pastor. I said, no, you wouldn't. And then I come in and tell you, you need to give your life to Jesus. Are you really going to listen to my message about who Jesus Christ is? And they finally said, no, probably not. 
Now, I'm not here to tell you drinking's wrong. See, we get into all these hot button issues, and we could be here two hours, couldn't we? But what I'm here to tell you is, I'm, I already know in 1 Corinthians 6, drunkards aren't going to be going to heaven, so we know that we can't drink to excess. Are we correct on that, if we remember correctly? But I don't think having a beer here and there is going to send anybody to hell. But I, what I'll tell you is that you're taking care of yourself, and that's it. Because the reason why we don't do it is because I don't want to be a stumbling block to someone. Remember what I said about the pastor I follow, Pastor Keith. We don't want to lose the right to be able to minister to someone. And if somebody who is accustomed, did you catch that? Who's so accustomed to something, right? If somebody is so accustomed to alcohol because they might be coming out of a world of alcoholism and they see me drinking, what is that going to do? Well, Jesus delivered me from that, but maybe I can handle it in the name of Jesus. Maybe he'll give me the strength to handle it. And because of a weaker conscience, what happens? It pushes them right back into it. It's an interesting concept. But the problem is, we don't care if we're being a stumbling block to someone because we're more concerned about our rights. Isn't that why we always ask for prayer to be put back in school? I want it back in school. But am I going to lose sleep over it? No, because what I lose sleep over is the fact that prayer isn't even in the home anymore. You see, it's all misdirection. And so when we start saying stuff to people, then we become a stumbling block and people aren't responding to us anymore. When in fact, if I love my God and my neighbors, I'm going to do what I can to not be a stumbling block to them. I don't want my way of life hindering somebody from knowing Jesus. So if, with the exception of watching Dallas or Clemson, I'm not gonna quit doing that. But if, it, if drinking a Mountain Dew was something that was going to cause people to fall away from the Lord, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop drinking the Mountain Dew. We'll get off this. But understand something, self-denial is actually a part of loving God and your neighbor. Self-denial, abstaining from things. It is a form of love. It's not meant to be something legalistic, but it is a form of doing without so that my neighbor will love or feel loved by me and know that God loves in this way. I don't want to destroy their weak conscience. That's what we do when Lent comes up, right? We practice self-denial. Eating's not a bad thing, but we don't eat as much during Lent because we are practicing self-denial. This is how we love others. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Love builds others up when we worry about sinning against another. Have you ever noticed um, what we do? 
we are really concerned about our relationship with Jesus, but we think of it like from here to there, don't we? I mean, we just think of it kind of like from here to there, um, and we're just trying not to offend him. We're trying to make sure that um, we're, you know, saying he's still the Lord, Jesus is Lord, and we don't want to offend him by saying any other God is Lord, when in fact what Paul seems to be saying is your relationship from here to there, which in reality, can we be honest, Jesus is in us. Did we not learn that in the temple? He's in the temple. He's, he's in the temple. He's with us now. So our relationship isn't necessarily from here to here. It's in here. And so what Paul says, by destroying someone with a weaker conscience, it's actually causing us to sin against Christ. That's interesting. Because in Acts also, I know the story about Ananias and Sapphira. And those two, what they did is they saw everybody given, selling everything they have and giving it to the apostles, right? They saw them do this. Let's sell all we have and give to the apostles so whoever has need of anything, they'll have all that they need. So Ananias and Sapphira saw this. They said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna sell most of what we have, but we're gonna keep a little back for ourselves, right? But they showed up and they looked like they were playing the role of someone who gave everything they had. Do you remember the story? And then what did Peter say? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting thought because I don't know if you know this, but you can't lie to God. He already knows the truth, am I right? Who did they lie to? They lied to the church, to the people, their brothers and sisters. Now you know what happened after that. So apparently the principle is that love for my neighbors, my brothers and sisters is really the goal here because it's meant to build up, it's not meant to puff me up and make me look amazing in front of others. It's meant to glorify Jesus Christ, which builds the church community up. I know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's coming where Paul's going to let them know about their spiritual gifts. He's going to let them know, he's gonna say, look, your spiritual gifts are awesome but they're not to make you look so holy. That's not why you have that gift. If you have a gift, it is meant to draw people to Jesus Christ and build others up. It's not to make you look super intelligent. It's not to demonstrate your wisdom. It's not meant to, like Roy said a minute ago, the applause goes to Jesus, right? The applause goes to Jesus. If you have a wonderful talent, and you're a great musician, it is for the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ. That's why we have it. Because when our hearts are changed, we're no longer loving ourselves in such a way that it makes us look amazing. Our goal is to love others, to build them up, and then they see how amazing Jesus is. Well, this morning you might be thinking, well, pastor, we, I don't know about a lot of what you say, and that's okay. 
And maybe some of you might not have gotten past, well, what did he say about that vaccine? (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that your knowledge that you may have isn't the goal of your faith. Everything that we do is based from the love that we have for Jesus Christ and other people. That's why we live, because we're trying to draw them to Jesus, not to how smart I am. I had to post on Facebook not too long ago, arguing is not a spiritual gift, right? If you're someone that is only living in your knowledge, here's what you need to do. Ask yourself with the aid of the Holy Spirit, does my knowledge make me look good or does it make Jesus look good? Because if it's only making you look good and nobody knows what you really believe outside of here, then maybe you need to adjust something. If you're someone who thinks that maybe, um, well, pastor, I think you're the stumbling block. I don't know. Maybe I am. My goal isn't to be. But if you think that having your way isn't being a stumbling block, then maybe you should remember the Lord's prayer that we just prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It doesn't say, God, do what I want you to do so my will would be done. It says, Lord, it's basically a corporate prayer where we pray together to remind ourselves we're not here to have our will done. We're here to do the, learn to do the will of God. I've often said that Sundays seems to be one of the most idolatrous days of the year, of the week, I should say, for Christians, because when we leave here, we might go out into public and be more concerned about having our way than loving someone who is around us. And because we're dressed differently, they pick up on that and they don't get it and they think that we just look like we're puffing ourselves up. If you're doing that, stop it. Or at least dress incognito, right? If you're someone this morning that is thinking, well, I just don't understand how I can be sinning against Christ if um, I'm just not tolerating what my brothers and sisters are doing. They're wrong, I'm right. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. As long as it's not something that is morally wrong, yield your right, your so-called right, so that you not sin against Jesus. Because Jesus is in the temple. And all of humanity is created in the image of Jesus Christ. So what we do to each other is how we're actually treating Jesus Christ. Well, hopefully I still have some friends after today. But what if all of the churches in this area if we just started right here in Liberty and Pickens and Easley and Six Mile Central and Clemson, what if all of the churches decided that instead of demanding our rights and have the government 
fix stuff with us, that we're just going to love others to build them up. What if we started to do that instead of to legislate? What if we started to say, it matters how I treat someone else? It matters. If someone has a mask on and I have my mask, I'll put it on. If they don't, I'll leave it off. What if I started to think of how someone perceives me instead of how I perceive them? You know what Jesus is doing? When we sing, this is my father's world, we're literally making it his world when we do that. (laughs) It's not just some lofty idea that we sing that's way out in the sky. It's something that we say is actually possible because we're doing what the Lord wants us to do because we're right-hearted towards him and our neighbors. So the whole head's bowed, eyes closed this morning. This is where we ask the Lord, help me to understand what my own personal motives are for why I do what I do in your name. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We are so amazed at your word and how it cuts to the quick. Lord, would you help us this morning? Would you help us to wrestle with these issues, wrestle with your word, not just give it a stamp of approval or a stamp of disapproval, but to just seriously wrestle with this in such a way to own what it is you want us to own. Would you help us this morning? Would you help us to be the people right here in Liberty who are loving people the right way so that we don't cause them to go further away from you, but because of the way we live, we're drawing them to you, Lord. Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that struggled with anything I've said this morning, I pray that you would speak to their hearts through the Holy Spirit and that you would prompt them to read the word for themselves, Lord. And Father, I pray that you'd be with us and go with us into our places of employment and to what we do throughout the week, Lord, and have our hearts changed and our minds changed so that we are winning people to Jesus Christ. Keep us safe. Bring us back in Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Christ's name we pray. God's people said, amen.